All information given in this episode is for educational purposes and should not be tried prior to consulting a licensed physician and or certified state or accrediting bodies. We encourage all listeners to research, talk, and make all inquiries to all of the important professionals and governing bodies before acting on any information heard on the Day Love It podcast. Any action taken by any listener is done by and under their own omission and action, whether conscious to the results, positive or not. To the Della Fit Podcast, 360 degrees of holistic fitness and health, all in one podcast. Salutations and proclamations. It is I, it is you, it is us, it is we. Together we make up the digital family that is the Della Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Philly's number one son, aka the body alchemist, Sun Moon Bay, bringing you another podcast excursion happy friday to everybody and thank you for tuning in back with us here just a quick warning for everybody that is tuning in today you may be triggered because our topic is xenophobia want to definitely make sure that everybody understands this before we get into this topic for anybody that might have had any intense or Uh, surrounding experience when it comes to the specific topic of xenophobia, prejudice, and or uh, as it is defined, racist behavior towards them. So just a quick warning for those tuning in. The reason we're having this conversation is because much of the conversation of coronavirus, COVID-19, for some who are familiar with this conversation with the paranoia that has come about from it, with the mixed information from media that we have been getting, comes about ignorance at times. When there is no clear-cut idea or understanding, ignorance is to evolve from the tree of fear. So therefore, this ignorance has found its way on the doorstep of our Asian-American brethren and sisterin. This is a much needed conversation that has deep roots. My guest who will be walking with me as we have this conversation is Echo Huang. Echo came to the United States at the age of 20 by herself with just $800 in her pocket with a desire to study finance and accounting. She accomplished that desire And after graduating, she went to work for KPMG in Minneapolis for almost four to five years. It was during this time that Echo found that she had a broader calling, which was to help individuals grow their wealth so that they could have more freedom financially as well as physically and mentally. Echo has agreed to come to the show to sit down and talk with us about this sensitive topic, which is very near and dear to her heart, as specifically as a former Chinese citizen now living in the United States as a United States citizen. So we're going to sit down and have what I know will be a very enlightening and educational conversation. 
Daylight Fit Podcast is sponsored by Mountain Made CBD. Mountain Made is changing the CBD game by offering a line of high-dose CBD tablets at an affordable price. Their products are THC-free and third-party tested for accuracy, cleanliness, and potency. Their products, which ship nationwide, include Build for CBD saturation, Boost for precision titration, Recovery for rest and rehab. With nine years experience in hemp and fitness, Mountain Maid's founders are focused on creating a quality product to help those who live an activated lifestyle. Check out www.mountainmade.life to find out more about how their products can help you crush life. Remember, their products ship nationwide. Go check out their website today and follow them on social media at MNT. M-A-D-E. I started using Mountain Maid's Build CBD tablets to help me with the injury in my elbow. And let me tell you something. Not only has the injury subsided, but now I can do push-ups and I'm back to bench pressing. So I encourage anybody who's interested to look up, check out Mountain Maid and all their products. I think you'll be glad you did. You're now tuned into the Daylight Fit Podcast. Welcome back to the 360 Degrees of Holistic Fitness and Health that is the Daily Fit Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that may trigger some of you out there. I'm just going to give a warning because we're going to be speaking about xenophobia. Now, what that is, I should have pulled up the definition before I actually started this, but in my opinion, a fear of a culture based on unsubstantiated facts. The reason we're having this conversation is because there are U.S. citizens who are dealing with unfair treatment based on what is going on in this current crisis, this pandemic. We're talking about my Asian American brothers and sisters who are dealing with the fact of because of the coronavirus, assaults, verbal abuse, and many other disgraces. So we're going to talk about this today because I think it needs to be talked about. It's part of our health. It's part of the health of the mental, the physical, and it's part of our health as being citizens in this great country. With me, I have Echo Huang. She is going to be my guest, and we're going to walk this road together. And we're going to talk about why this ignorance is taking place, and we're going to try to make some sense of it. Echo, how are you today? I am doing well. Thank you. So Echo, tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into it, because we, we, we started before we were recording. We were just connecting as, as two individuals with our unique names. So tell us <laughs> a, little, a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, uh, my name is Echo Huang, and uh, now I live in Plymouth, Minnesota. That's a suburb uh, of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I was born and raised in southern China uh, near Hong Kong. And uh, at age 20, I came to the U.S. uh, to study finance uh, with $800 in my pocket. I uh, finished my degree in finance and accounting and I started working in the Twin Cities uh, in 95. So for the past 25 years, I worked in uh, private accounting, public accounting uh, for KBMG for four years and then another accounting firm for several years and later I decided to start 
my own financial planning and investment management business, investment management business in、uh, 2003. After I had a designation of CPA and、uh, certified financial planner, that's CFP. And so in the past, I have helped many people. Uh, with the personal finance and investment management, and uh, so I uh, am extremely passionate about helping people with their wealth because I believe that health and wealth go together. And、uh, I recently wrote a book、uh, titled "Own Your Future: A Woman's Story of Immigration and Financial Success," and it's available on Amazon、uh, for pre-order. Coming out next month, so I, I'm very pleased to be、uh, on the show here to talk about my personal、uh, immigration experience and how that relates to the current situation related to、uh, coronavirus and、um, how American Amer-、uh, Asian Americans have been、uh, attacked frequently. So, so that's a little bit about myself,、uh, Sun Moon, and.、Um, Let's get the conversation started. First, let me let me ask you, what made you want to come to the United States? Was it just a dream that you always had? Was it just no? It's time to branch out. What made you want to want to leave your country? Yeah, you know, at that time, China. This this is before ninety. So I came to the U.S. in ninety two. So China wasn't a wealthy country back then, and、uh, the opportunities.、Uh, I, I mean, I had a great job、uh, working for the Bank of China、uh, when I was 17, but I,、uh, China was very closed society. People couldn't leave China easily. So I had a dream of traveling around the world,、uh, just experience that, and of course, experience different culture was really something I wanted to do, but could not do as, as a Chinese citizen. And I read many books written by a writer in Taiwan. Her name uh, uh, was、uh, Echo Chan, and、ah. I took her name. And anyway, so <laughs>、okay. she she、uh, she was a citizen of Taiwan. That's different government. So she had she was able to travel more than fifty countries and wrote articles about how people live in. All different cultures, and she was extremely popular in China. And so, as a teenager, I read all her books and dreaming about someday I may be able to do that. So, I prepared myself、uh, for at least three years. So, I was working at the bank, and I was taking English classes. Because I knew I I would need to speak English if I had a chance to leave China, so、uh, one day the opportunity came because my uncle was a visiting scholar、uh, in the U.S. doing research in chemistry、uh, in University of Idaho, and he was there for two years. But he was able to help me out at least for the first year. So that's how I decided to quit my very good job at the Bank of China. And then I took the TOEFL exam, passed the exam, and applied for the universities. And、uh, nine months later, I was one of the fortunate people at in front of、uh, the U.S. Embassy in Guangzhou、uh, because I received a full-time student visa. And many people did not have that opportunity, so I just felt like I was the lucky one. I was able to come here, you know, even though with very little money, and、uh, eventually I 
in a change to a university here in Minnesota. That's how I ended up in Minnesota. And now, of course, I'm a true Minnesotan after, you know, like <laughs> about quarter century. Okay. So that's how I ended up here. I, I, I think it, it's not like some uh, people, uh, I don't think... Uh, I think the journey was very difficult, but not like the stories you hear about refugees coming to the U.S. So I, I certainly feel that I was a very fortunate person to be able to actually study finance and accounting. And after I uh, finished college, I was able to find a good job and my employer sponsored me. Uh, you probably hear this like H-1B visa that is really hard to get today. Right. So I was able to go through that journey of immigration journey and finally became a you know, permanent resident. And then many years later, I became a U.S. citizen. So I had that. Um, so that's how I came over here and experienced the American dream. And now I own my uh, financial planning business, Echo Wealth Management, and I manage more than hundred million dollars in uh, in in right here in my hometown here, Plymouth, Minnesota. That had to be in the beginning. It had to be somewhat exhilarating, but yet a little bit scary because you're leaving behind everything that you you're you're used to. You know your family. Was it just that much of the the energy inside of you that you wanted to see the rest of the world or what was it that drove you? I wasn't ready to settle. I think my job was really good at the Bank of China, but I was, you know, about 20 years old. And I felt like if I didn't take this step, that opportunity didn't come easily. If I didn't take the step, I would regret because if that opportunity may not come for another decade, so right. I think when I came, I I don't think I think I was more excited than scared. I was very uh, concerned at certain times because cash was low, and I constantly I was constantly working on the campus with multiple jobs to pay for my expenses. But I think it's the uh, curiosity about the world. Especially, I was always curious about how other people live their lives uh, outside of China. So I think that curiosity, you know, finally found a way to actually see the world. It's very amazing to be able to, when I flew from Hong Kong to Seattle, imagine I was growing up on the border of Hong Kong. The city is Shenzhen. And Shenzhen was a small fishing village when my parents, uh, my family moved there when I was 12 years old. So I think about 50,000 people and because it was the first special economic zone in China uh, the former leader Deng Xiaoping chose Shenzhen as a uh, special testing ground for uh, capitalism within the socialist society and trying to copy what Hong Kong was doing and make it its own so I was able to witness the transformation of the city so now Shenzhen is like the Silicon Valley in China. Oh, wow. At least 15 to 17 million people. Can you imagine that? That's, and, that's a heck of a change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you, 
if you look at it, it, the first stock exchange in China was in Shenzhen. I think I believe the first McDonald in in China was in Shenzhen. I still remember standing in long lines, just to ways to taste the first cheeseburger with French fries. <laughs> you know, so um, so anyway, I I think it, it was very interesting for me to be able to watch Hong Kong TV using the antenna on the balcony. So I was. So when I was a teenager, I was able to see what was reported on Hong Kong TV about the Western world. But then on the you know Chinese channel, I would be hearing all these government programs, right? So right. I felt like I was exposed to the outside world, but I couldn't cross the border, even though the border is next to my apartment. <laughs> and so when I was 20 years old, I finally I was able to cross the border. I spent maximum time allowed as a visitor in Hong Kong for seven days, and then flew to Seattle. And remember the the writer、uh, Echo, she wrote about her life in Seattle and you know other cities in the U.S. And so it was really great. It was very great to feel that I was. You know, kind of like following her footsteps, right? And then, so when my Chinese name was really hard to pronounce, people kept saying it wrong. And then finally, when I was filling out the、uh, ID form, I just said, you know, since I have no middle name, maybe I should just put Echo as my middle name on this ID form. And then I just told, I just told people to call me Echo. So that's how my name is Echo Huang right now. May I ask what your name is, your Chinese name, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, Fang, Fang. Fang. That doesn't sound hard, but the spelling is F A N G. So people would say Fang. Ah. Fang, you know those long teeth. I'm right, like, right, right, right. I don't right, want、right. people to call me Fang every single day. But it's Fang. It's Fang. It sounds、ah. like O N G. Yeah,、gotcha. but the spelling is A N G. That's that's the problem. So when you got to the United States, what was your mindset? Was it a, a, a drastic cultural change? There was definitely a cultural shock.、Uh, I can tell you, my first, probably first quarter semester at that time, the hardest thing for me, even though、uh, I think I passed the English exam, you know, in order to be accepted, but I think the harder thing is、um, I went to a small town. It was University of Idaho. In Moscow, Idaho, so very small town, and so I went from a very big city to a small town in the U.S. <laughs> <Okay> . <laughs> it's 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 not what I was thinking. Okay, even though you know it's kind of like you know I have this dream going to somewhere. I was thinking, oh, this is gonna be so cool. You know, in、like、my head, I, I was more thinking about. <laughs> I was more thinking about like Hong Kong or something, but、right. but then when I ended up in a little town, of course I don't think it was the bad experience. It was different experience, and the cultural shock for me was how much, I mean people, how how few people live there. It's kind、mm -hmm. of like you see all these potato fields, and you know it just felt like. Whoa! We could have a lot more people living in the state. That was my like first impression. Like not enough、okay. people living there. And、right. then of course the other, I think the major challenge for me is also uh, uh, because I I couldn't listen English well while taking notes in the big classrooms. So it was not easy for me to show up in my first class, and that was macroeconomics. Okay. Like first class macroeconomics, and in a four hundred 
student, big auditorium. And so in terms of other culture shock, I would say um, people, oh, there are some slangs I, I don't understand. You know, when people say hot, it's not just the temperature, hot. Right, right. <laughs> no, the, but then when people say it's cool, it's not the temperature cool. Right, right, right. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's you know, those like words you, 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 I didn't learn it in the textbook, uh, but daily life you just wonder I was like oh my god there is just so much to learn so yeah the culture shock I would say I I think I was welcomed at that time even though my English was not that good uh, but there was not enough diversity uh, in a very small town that in my view you know it's personal preference as well I I want to have a lot more cultural activities um, it's it's not available in a very small town and right. so uh, so that's maybe that's another reason i have uh decided that you know the twin cities is a very good place for me to be because it's not too big or too small there are enough uh you know cultural diversity there are you know many asian uh people here in the twin cities Mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, in the end, after I lived in other two cities and then I finally settled down here. So, yes, I dealt with the culture shock, uh, especially the first year with the language barrier. Uh, but I think I'm still learning new things today when people talk about uh, TV show or some kind of songs I did not grow up with. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, so it's just like I miss part of it when people are talking about 80s, you know, especially people who are in their 40s like me right now, when they are using any reference uh, related to the 80s, well, I wasn't here in the 80s. Right, right. It's kind of like... And certainly, I don't have the time to go back and watch all those TV shows in the 80s. Well, I'll tell you what. You're not missing that much. There was a lot of great (laughs) music, but... That's all things you can get on YouTube. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what were some of the? You talked a little bit about the your inner reactions and the cultural, the cultural surprises that you saw. The language. What were any of the negatives that you saw? Did you have any negative experiences that you were just like, eh, what is this? Why is this? I personally did not experience the extreme uh you know like a hatred that we hear today that you know mm-hmm. especially when we read about the media in the past two months uh, right. i think it's fortunate for me but certainly things could improve for uh in terms of understanding where i came from so i think when i was in college at winona state university that's where i transferred for university of idaho after one year to winona state university that's uh just two hours south from the twin cities here because mm-hmm. i got a scholarship there as a foreign student so i was able to save thousands of dollars when i don't have to pay non-resident tuition as a foreigner so that was really a big deal for me and when i was there i signed a contract with a school to introduce my culture to local community Uh, in return i paid resident tuition so this program in minnesota uh, state university system is extremely helpful for Minnesota to attract foreign students to the state to increase diversity. So I experienced the 
importance why we need to have the inter, you know, this cross-cultural activities to increase understanding of different cultures. So right. uh, what I did was uh, something very simple. As a college student, I was uh, I was able to go to different classrooms. Uh, it could be uh, elementary school, middle school, high school, or even in university classrooms uh, to spend an hour to demonstrate, you know. At, Mainly introduce, you know, what it's like uh, to live in China, for example, so I can explain to them. And it's very good for people to understand that even though, I mean, I look different, you know, I came from a different culture. There are just so many things that are in common. So in a way, I it's very interesting when uh, kids ask me,、uh, "Do you have TV?" You know, it's you. You will hear a lot、right. of things, especially that's early '90s, right? You know, right, a lot、right. of Chinese movies,、uh, famous movies that American watched, were mainly about the like,、uh, you know, like almost 50 or 60 years ago. What what、right. Chinese people were like. So so I feel like. That was really also before the internet age, right? So think about people really kind of thinking, you, how do you live? Do you have refrigerator or do you have TV or something like that? So for me, it was important to explain through different activities. I think two activities I believe would help people understand different cultures better. One is by sharing food, and I I believe food is something that people, you know, just imagine, you know, you don't understand the language, but if you like the food, that would also increase your understanding about the culture. And the、Very、second、true. thing is music. I believe music is universal, and I certainly believe that is probably lacking in terms of in the、uh, public education. That's not in the curriculum, and I, you know, certainly believe having more people being engaged in this kind of activity and gathering with people、uh, with different culture and through maybe exchange recipe potluck. I help organize international dinner at Winona State,、uh, and we also have fashion show. Just imagine, we try to bring culture here. So fashion show,、uh, food, and music, and dance. And so I used to be、uh, when I was in college. We had、uh, at least two major events per year to bring、uh, culture to the community. Why do you think right now? That there's such fear of the Asian community based on what's going on with the coronavirus. I'm asking this because of the fact of I know we've heard quote unquote that allegedly it comes from Wuhan, but why is there such anger and ignorance being thrust upon the Asian community? Yeah, I think first I want to explain a little bit about you know、uh, xenophobia because the way I see this term, you know, I think the definition is、um, an anxiety disorder, you know,、mm. which meeting strangers or foreigners causes extreme reactions of fear. So xenophobia is the fear and、uh, of foreigners. So when people who look different Uh, speak a different language, 
or have different customs can appear threatening to those who are used to only one particular ethnic group, lifestyle, or set of behaviors. So, you know, just think about when people feel that's different, right? They have a fear because they don't understand it. They're not used to it. I do want to explain a little bit about, you know, like racism. Racism often gets mixed in with xenophobia. I think the two often come hand in hand. However, I think uh, xenophobia usually refers to a person's nationality and culture rather than exclusively their race. So unfortunately, you know, there, you know, there has been a significant rise in xenophobia in the U.S. and I, in recent times. So the term kind of like go back to your own country, you know, gets、mm-hmm. thrown around a lot, right? So I, I personally think that if you are on the receiving end of this xenophobia, this xenophobic abuse,、um, remember that the problem lies with that person, not with you. And then another thing I'm thinking about why this happened now. In fact, I think it reminds me of the similarities, like how American Mus- Muslims were being treated right after the September 11th. You right. Know, it's kind、right. of like when people see that and they have they have a fear, right? Because that's a very tragic event. But then at the same time, they don't understand. Muslims, you know, so there is a because of lack of us understanding is one thing, and then that really, you know, make people feel like this race threatened my security. And then I think if we go back further, the internment camp, you know, of Japanese Americans during World War Two, these were Japanese who were born here. Exactly. Yeah. Citizens. They were citizens. They didn't know their hometown at all, you know. But they were treated. I mean, actually, the government treated them in obviously today we should say that's a very shameful way to send them to camps, right? And they lost their properties. What I'm concerned about is as I'm looking at this and trying to think about why this is happening now. I think probably there are many reasons. One is people people want to. Find a scapegoat, kind of like it, it, it's an easier thing for people to kind of blame somebody when they feel threatened. An easy way out. Yeah, it's easy way out because if we know that's not rational, we know it's wrong, right? I mean, you cannot just put entire race or nationality and say that's the problem. And we all know coronavirus. Will infect anyone. They don't care your race or your nationality. Right. And also, I I just kind of think about、uh, the leader of this country, Trump specifically.、Uh, re- you know, crossed the word coronavirus on his prepared speech and say it over and over again. China, Chinese virus or whatever.、Mm-hmm. That doesn't help either because when some people listen to him, let's say if they're supporter, right? If you are saying it as a leader on your Twitter and you know、uh, media appearance, you are pretty much saying it's okay to say that, and it's obviously 
if you think about it, Chinese people are dealing with the same problem, right? I think right now they probably have done a better job controlling coronavirus than what, how we are doing right now.、Mm-hmm. So I, I think multiple reasons that contributed to the. Fear of the unknowns, and I, you know, the reason for, you know, example, obviously,、uh, you know, when people are thinking about, oh,、uh, what is, what are the, let me see, the causes, you know, what the is causes, the cause,、right. What's the cause uh, of, of xenophobia specifically, because that could be against any race, right? That could be against,、uh, you know, as you said, it could be、uh, African American, it could be.、Uh, You know anybody? Any culture?、Uh, I, yeah, it could be any culture. And I think、uh, the reason why some people are xenophobic,、uh, I can list a few things that I think are main reasons. One is they are unfamiliar with a particular nationality. And then the second thing is they maybe they had a bad experience with one person of that particular nationality or heritage. They blame it all. Yeah, therefore associate <laughs> bad feelings towards、mm-hmm. everyone of that persuasion, right?、Mm-hmm. And then I think the third is because、um, maybe something that happened historically between you know various countries, for example, like World War Two, right? So you right. know historically people that carry down from last two generation down to this generation. And another thing I'm sure is ignorance.、Um, We can also call that narrow-mindedness.、Uh, you know, so they don't like it. They don't like what they don't know.、Um, certainly, the word、uh, prejudice came to my mind too. Also, if the media is not doing a good job,、um, some people may just blindly following whatever the media says about immigrants. You know, it's like, oh yeah, immigrants are bad. Well, all、right. immigrants are gonna take away all your jobs. Well, for people who are currently concerned about their jobs, that's just feeding to their fear, right? So, so in my mind, it's、uh, also another thing came to my mind. I think we talked about could be the racism. They just intolerance to religions other than their own. You touched on something. You touched on two things I wanted to、uh, agree on and and respond to. You were talking about the fact of ignorance,、mm-hmm. um, and it, it, it is ignorance. It's an ignorance to the fact of learning about someone else and the media. It's been quite ironic. Many of the guests who've come on here have been talking about this, and they're like, the media has been pushing. About Corona, so much fear. We sh- we should be cautious. I'm I'm one about you should be cautious. You shouldn't be fearful because if you're fearful, you tend to act irrational. Hey everyone, we hope that you're enjoying the interview thus far. We'd just like to take some quick time out to remind everybody to like, follow, share, and subscribe. With every like, follow, share, and subscription, it helps the Daylight Fit podcast to grow. And the more we grow, the more information we can bring to you, the listener. So please take some time out, like, follow, share, and subscribe. Thank you.
tend to blame you tend to do things that you should not do like blaming our uh asian uh people of asian descent origin and heritage who were born here in the united states or who have become citizens in this country you tend to do erratic things you tend to bring up things of oh well this group of individuals are now contracting it more than any other group they must be the problem to me that's all based in as you said ignorance which is based and steeped in fear we have to get rid of that we have to think better than than that history has taught us this isn't the first time we've dealt with this you you talked about it earlier dealing with the japanese and the internment camps many other cultures who have dealt with things in this country racism let's go let's touch on that really quickly because this is my belief about that it's one of the words i do not like most of all because the belief about quote-unquote racism and, and i pulled it up here's here this is what i see it says prejudice discrimination or an antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior as far as i was taught there's only one race and that's human so I, I, I don't <laughs> when I ever hear people say, oh, it's racism or this is racist or you're, you know, I'm like, when did we develop that there are multiple races when there's only one and it's human? There's multiple nationalities. We all have different nationalities. We all have different culture and ethnicities and languages. But this racism thing, the only other races that I see it on this earth would be animals. <laughs> <laughs> dogs cats you know animal bears kids so until i see a dog walk down the street and literally it, it, well you know until i see a group of dogs in an organized fashion with a military <laughs> attack humans you know what i mean racism to me is, is a figment of somebody's imagination we should deal with the prejudice and the intolerance and ignorance that you're talking about what are your feelings? Yeah, it's it's difficult to talk about racism, right? Because it just has so many. Um, I mean, so much historical contact. So much um, untruth. <laughs> and <laughs> and we know deep inside, you know, as a human race, we are the, exactly the same. <laughs> just just look at whatever you know inside. We, just, that's why, as I'm, it's very difficult. Uh, and of course, it's very unfair uh, how people are being treated historically, and we are still fighting the fight right now for the prejudice because of the race, right? Because they actually, I filled out a census form last week, and I was like, oh my gosh, because my daughter is 50% uh, Chinese, but okay. then the other is like, I'm trying. I was trying to be accurate. So I was like, okay, maybe 20 some percent English, how many percent Irish or whatever. But you know, this is just talking about my daughter generation, right? I mean, her mm -hmm. generation next, how are you going to even fill out census form? <laughs> I, I don't know how she's going to fill out her children's census form because for me, it's already kind of blurred at this moment. And there mm -hmm. is not, it's not, actually, maybe it's a good thing. It's not easy to fill it out. Uh, but at the same time, I'm thinking people do need to think about, I mean, we are we are all human beings. I mean, we have a lot more in common than, you know, differences. But at the same time, we still want to uh, speak up 
what we see people experience that kind of prejudice and you know it's just unfair and that's another reason I think I I want to come on the show to talk about how I feel about this because you know I am a business owner I、mm-hmm. certainly want to make sure I create job opportunities for all people、uh, with you know I don't care about your religion or your you know your background cultural background of course and, yeah and that's another thing I'm just thinking that as U.S. citizen right now it's even more important for us to use our influence and whatever social media platform you have. To number one, if you see someone is、uh, being treated unfairly, worse is like under attack. Right. I would say extremely important to give that person the support you can give, and also if it's so bad, you gotta report to the police and the hate crime and everything. That's certainly I think people need to be standing up, supporting. Especially when I'm talking about Asian American community right now,、mm-hmm. and、uh, another thing I'm thinking about is just daily life. What can we do to increase better understanding? I I mentioned I'm trying to think of you know right now even Asian communities are fighting two crises right now at the same time. Right. COVID-19 is already bad enough, right? I mean, I certainly think that we are all dealing it with it the best we can. But I think it affected、uh, Asian community a lot more negatively because many Asian、uh, Americans own restaurant business, right? right. So imagine Chinatown or in New York or San Francisco.、Uh, this is they they got hit. Extremely hard, and then the second thing they have to fight is this whole attack. All these reporting about for the no、blame. reason they were actually being physically attacked on, like at grocery stores and taking public transportation. Right. And so it's a very scary thing. And personally, I can share this. My parents, I sponsored my parents six years ago. To come to the U.S. because you know they are getting old, so now they are seventy-five and seventy-six. So now they live. They lived in Los Angeles for five years, and then last year I decided to move them to live near me, so like one mile from my house, so I can take care of them better. And because of this reporting of how Asian Americans、uh, have been attacked so often. They read this from Chinese、uh, newspaper and social media. They don't read English, but they read the whole the, these reportings, and then they send me. My mom sent me that and say, "Is this actually true or rumor?" It had to make them afraid. It had、oh、to spark some fear. Oh my gosh, my my I I I I feel they are struggling. With this understanding, and you know, they're coming here as relatively newer immigrants. I mean, you know, me many years ago. So I, I, I feel like I can deal with this much easier than my parents, who are like already elderly, and、right. they, they, they feel like they, they are not safe if they go out and shop at the grocery store. But anyway, because of coronavirus, I don't want them to go and shop. But at the same time, I. When I go out to shop initially, I was debating if I should wear a mask or not wear a mask because、right. 
that much earlier, like a month ago,、um, when I got on the plane,、uh, I I I was wearing、um, wear, uh, a mask because I learned what how bad it could be, right? So, but going to a grocery store, you don't want to draw attention. Attention. So it's not easy to find that balance for people because not, do you just put it on a mask, but then people look at you, no matter if you are healthy, but they don't know. So right now I just order、uh, food delivery for my parents, and I told them not to go out of their apartment for I don't know for at least several more weeks. I don't know if you saw the news recently, but、um, I think it was in New Jersey. Two young African men were going into a supermarket, and they had on the surgical mask. And a policeman followed them in. He asked them to take off the mask, and they managed to record the back and forth. But the thought of it was the fact of you know many people of African origin, Caribbean origin in the United States already have that fear. Anyway, but the fact that now we have to wear masks, most specifically men, you know, it's like we fear in that sense, just like you're saying, that fear of the fact of okay, now I'm I'm drawing attention to myself, and I'm already a target, but now it's even worse, and it's again steeped in fear and steeped in ignorance. I want to ask you this: How can we make ourselves aware? If we're participating in any type of xenophobic behavior, and how can we check ourselves? Because some individuals might feel that, well, I'm not saying anything, I'm not doing anything. Somebody else might think that that's confirming the action that they're doing. How can we make sure that we're not participating? Yeah, I think it, it's it's important to understand some examples first. So you know, maybe I can give some examples, and then you know, you can, people can kind of like, okay, maybe that's what I shouldn't do. So please do,、uh, please do. Yeah, the example <laughs> I would say is you know, making fun of someone's nationality.、Um, that sounds obvious, but you know, people could be very brutal.、Um, yes. Another thing is just making prejudiced assumptions that a person based on. You know where they come from. For example, they are saying maybe all French people like to eat snails. You know, <laughs> or whatever.、Right. You know, you have something about maybe we shouldn't just conclude everybody exactly is the same because where they come from. I, I also I don't think it's it,、uh, well. Another example is like imitating or just making fun of someone's accent. I have Chinese accent. I'm sure when I was in my twenties, I was. Very、uh, shy about it because I was aware of you know hey I have an accent, but I think I have enough confidence today. When I meet someone who has accent, I know that person speaks more than one language. It's not a bad thing. So for me, maybe because you know I am an immigrant. For me now, I am not worried about my accent. I personally believe that. If I can communicate and people understand what I'm saying, it's it's good because that's you. And I think I want to also other people to be aware of not to make fun of somebody's accent. And then another thing is saying someone is not welcome. You know, maybe actively excluding someone from events or conversations simply because their nationality. Of course, maybe they are saying just. Anything hurtful about somebody's culture,、um, I would say, 
assuming that one culture is better than other, uh, that is a dangerous way to, you know, that could go down the path of actually, well, that's kind of a di- discrimination, right? Um, Very much so. Phys- yeah, also physically、uh, harming people, also hurtful comments online. Like if you are saying something. That you say, oh, because this is where they're from. You just make the assumption. I would say if people are spreading the hateful messages on social media, that is also an example. Even though you are not physically hurting that person, but if you are not being careful about the message and you are actually spreading that kind of message, like accusing immigrants of like stealing jobs or national services from the Whatever from the native people. Well, in fact, we you can't find that many native people here in the U.S. We are all kind of immigrants at some point, right? So、um, another thing I was thinking is if people do not stand up and support the person, that is giving the perpetrators confirmation this is okay. So not saying anything. Depending on different situation, I'm not advocating people, you know, if they are not even safe and trying to start a confrontation. I think it needs to be kind of assess the situation, offering either support, some kind of even standing by that person without、mm-hmm. actually starting up a fight is one way to do it. And then just find opportunities to to have a conversation so that people know this kind of behavior cannot be accepted in this society. So I I personally think you know we have a biases we all do,、uh, but I think not to get it to a point where you develop hatred against another race or group. I think it's important to have that kind of self-check by being curious about other culture and just challenge your own beliefs as well. Because I personally believe that you know I do not, I may not、uh, agree or join that religion, but I am open to hear you know their opinion. I think it's just important to be able to not to just listen to one. Media or one side of story. Story. People, <laughs> you know, people right, right. like, you know, I can see your point. You know, kind of like open up conversation and read widely is is important. You said something, and I want to touch on that, which is in the beginning about the accent, and it seems as though it was almost in the sense of being empathetic, being empathetic to the fact of you were shy. You were shy, and you and you were like, you know, you 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 didn't feel comfortable speaking, which allows you now, when you see somebody else who has an accent, you tend to think there's there's more to this person, there's more nuances to this person that maybe they speak another language. I'll, I'll give an example. I remember when I visited some friends of mine down south, and for anybody who is of up north, or even if you're in in in, in、uh, the West Coast or.、Uh, Like you said, you're in the mid the Midwest, if if I'm correct. Yeah.、Um, if you go down south, there is parts of the south they speak their own language. I mean, <laughs> I mean the accent,、yeah. the brogue, the the co- colloquials are so different that you literally are like, wait a minute, I didn't get any of that. So it is that empathy that we need 
towards one another in order to be able to keep that respect because it is it is a respect that we have to do especially when we keep that empathy just like you were talking about the fact of people being uh citizens you know we have indigenous and we have newly indigenous and when i say newly indigenous i mean we have individuals who have come from all over the world and live in the united states which is what makes us the great melting pot and they have decided to become newly indigenous to this country and they've set roots down those roots are steeped in so much other culture which make our culture along with the already indigenous here so much greater so much more so i I really just wanted to touch on the fact of what you were saying about that as far as the empathy how do we appropriately respond as well as defend ourselves and our friends and family because and i say appropriately because i I talked to some friends of mine i talked to a good friend of mine she's asian american she was like i'll tell you how you (laughs) I'll tell you how you respond to it. It's called it's called five fingers and they make they make up a fist. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> we don't we don't need that type of uh response in every situation. How do we appropriately and positively respond to something like this? Yeah, I think uh, there's no simple answer, right? Because each person's situation may be different. And also, you know, if you experience that alone, uh, based on what I read, uh, you know, quite a few reports are, yeah, I mean, it could be a one man uh, just treating a young woman uh, like she should not even exist in this country when that person had no idea who this person was right so there are situations where this person would feel 100 percent alone and there was no easy way for her to defend herself if it was not a physical thing but that person would still need to somehow respond and i think depending on that situation i would say certainly reporting is important even if that person couldn't you know hey couldn't well of course if that person can at least have the power to feel that okay i need to report this incident i need to talk to the right kind of reporters or media for example people can reach you or some other means to say okay this is my story and how i was treated and be able to have that story shared and I think that's one thing. So I, I hope um, more people are being able to have the courage actually to tell the story and record it because that's, I, I believe, is important thing to do. Another thing I was thinking is um, we do need to be concerned about safety, right? So because of, of the all the events reported being attacked, actually physically attacked, and it may be better to go out as a group versus a single person. I I person I haven't personally experienced that myself is because we have been in the stay home order for so many days. I couldn't even really go out. I was just at home, right? I did all the online shopping here. But I'm thinking if people who really need to go out probably should have someone to gather and that Certainly, hopefully, in the, that's not the long-term thing because we actually do need to fight this prejudice and so that it wouldn't be so awful when you just want to go shopping. Um, another thing I, I think is important for people to remember is um, 
choose the right kind of lawmakers as well. Because I think <clears throat> in the long term, yes, the cultural thing we I would encourage people to participate, as I mentioned earlier, is the you know community activities that could increase uh, cross-cultural exchange. That's one thing. But at the same time, we want to make sure the laws are there to protect people. And, Very true.、Uh, yeah, because when you think about think. The alarming trend here is what I concern. I'm concerned about. It's I'm more concerned about the long-term impact that people start have this belief in their mind that they pass on to their children, thinking you know either Chinese Americans are a threat,、um, and or something like that deep down. And then when China and U.S. right now, we already know the relationship is not that great. Right.、Um, if you think about I hope this never happens. But if this is a war between these two countries, how would Chinese American be treated in that situation? Right. I. So that is where I feel perhaps participating in the, you know, voting process and be able to do more research about the lawmakers and people you truly believe can vote to have justice in. Make sure immigrants' rights and these,、uh, you know, Asian, different races have the same rights, and that's important because we we do not know if we,、uh, let's say, if we like it、uh, erode over time,、mm-hmm. and let's say your rights are being taken away a little by little, you may not be aware of it in eight years, but. Uh, what happens twenty years down the road? You don't have the right people in、uh, the legislature to make sure、uh, the laws are being implemented, right? To execute it. So that's what I'm thinking. Kind of、um, a little bit more long term, what we can do versus just immediate、uh, how we should protect ourselves. I totally agree with you. I actually was reading something, and and maybe you can confirm this for me or not. I was reading something dealing with Hong Kong, and how when originally the Chinese government was, or I should say, the British government was turning over the reins, if if that's the appropriate term,、mm-hmm. back over to the Chinese government. How there was an intense fear that many of the rights. That the citizens had lived under would be taken away, and as you said, it didn't take place in the beginning. Over time, that's what they're seeing was taking place, dealing with the citizens in in Hong Kong, and I, I think that's kind of what you're saying as well. Dealing with here is to make sure that all of those laws, all of the things that we're doing, all of the things we should be doing as citizens. We should be paying attention to what's going on, who's representing all of us. Because again, we are United States citizens. We are a republic, and this is how we are to stay in unity. I want to ask you this before we get ready to end this conversation, Echo. What are three tips, three tips, tools that you want the listeners to take away from this conversation? Something that somebody who might be going through this abuse. Going through this treatment, or somebody who might be seeing it, or somebody who might have done it, can take away and say, "You know what? Wow! You know, to get themselves back in the proper frame of mind." 
yeah, I think uh, I pretty much want to kind of summarize here. Um, definitely, definitely speak up. I, I don't know. I think I said it earlier, but I want people to understand that if enough people will speak up in their own way against uh, xenophobia, then we are building a much stronger nation together. So I think don't wait for other people to do this. And I think it's important to say, you know, hey, it, it could happen to anybody because right now, maybe the main target is Asian American. So I want people to think about this could be targeting your race or your ethnic group next so it's important to speak up to show the public this type of uh, xenophobic behavior are unacceptable and also use utilize your own social media network and your local community to do that even more often another second thing is um, definitely definitely consider supporting either organizations that are really working on this. You know, it may be local organization, it may be global organization like UNICEF, you know. So there are organizations that focus on treating people equally, right? So I personally think that it's important. And as I mentioned earlier, vote for the right lawmakers who actually represent you. And the leaders you see right now, if you think they're not doing a great job, you have to do something to get people to vote and get the right leaders in place. I think the third thing I want to remind people is that um, fighting to defeat uh, xenophobia is a noble goal. Just understand that it will take, it may take generations to accomplish. And, just as I mentioned earlier, you know, many of the reasons behind xenophobia have deeply, you know, historical or psychological roots. Uh, despite this, don't give up. Even changing one person's point of view can, can have large impact. So I want people to kind of think about if you are aware of someone you know, you you can have that conversation be able to change someone's view over time that is also an action to defeat xenophobia echo huang it was an excellent conversation excellent time sitting here discussing with you i thank you for taking us down the uh list of your story but you know letting us travel because that is a great story it, it, it kind of sounds in itself like a book you know a book in a book <laughs> so that was awesome that was so awesome to hear your story and to hear your experience and to see where your knowledge because you're very close to this you're extremely close to this so i, I thank you so much for coming on to the show giving us the wealth of your knowledge, allowing us to peer into your life and just to give back. And I definitely would like to have you back on the show again to talk about uh, other topics. Oh, thank you very much for this platform. And yeah, I would lo love to be back uh, in the future. And in the meantime, uh, if your listeners want to learn more about me, certainly you can find me um, under my name, Echo Huang. CFP 
that's my ID、uh, for Instagram and Twitter. So if you want to connect with me, feel free to use those. Echo Huang, everybody. Echo, thank you for coming on to the podcast. We thank you so much for taking the time out of your very busy day, which we know is very busy. Like I said, you you work with finances, and we all know what's going on right now is stressing the finances. So thank you so much. You are very welcome, Simon. Have a great day. I'd like to thank Echo for coming to the show this week and allowing us to share in her story and benefit from her education and experience. And I thank you so much because in a time where we can choose to close off, in a time where much is perpetuated for us to close off for many different reasons, some better than others, some more appropriate than others. When it comes to the virus of ignorance, bigotry, and xenophobia, we cannot practice social distancing. We are and should open up our minds and hearts. We should practice empathy. We should reach out our hands. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, what's going to take place is we're going to let the virus of ignorance surge into all of our hearts. And it can spread just as rapidly, if not quicker, than coronavirus. If you like what you heard today, follow us, subscribe to us. If you would like to reach out to us to speak on more topics like this, or maybe you have a topic that you think that we need to be open to, reach out and contact us. You can find us at our email at delafit13 at gmail.com. We can be reached at our website at www.delafitpodcast.com. We are on all the social media platforms that are out there, starting with Instagram, which is DE underscore LA underscore Fit Podcast. At Twitter, we are DeLafit Podcast. On Facebook, we are DeLafit Podcast. Reach out. We love hearing from our listeners. We love to hear. Positive feedback, and we like to hear what you may want us to talk about. As for today's show, I hope everybody tuning in will take the positive energy that came from a negative topic, will take the tips and tools that Echo left for us, and will use them to make yourselves better and hopefully others. As I always say at the end of the show, we are the village, each one. Teach one, and we have to remember that it takes a village to raise a child. Well, we are all somebody's child, which, in a very ironic and comforting way, means we are all brothers and sisters. Have a happy, healthy weekend. Be safe, and have a great, great day. You've been listening to the Delafit podcast. Ta-ta for now.